0: If I were to ask you today, how many of you want peace? How many of you want peace? It's a desire that all of us have today. The desire for peace is deeply rooted in our human nature. We want peace of mind. We want peace in our homes. We want peace with our children or their spouse and family members. We desire peace at work. Peace where we live. Peace with our circumstances. We, we would like peace with our past. We all want peace. But peace can be very elusive. Very elusive. There are many things that rob us of our peace. Inner conflict, disagreements. Probably the biggest one is fear. Fear. Fear does more to rob us of peace than any one thing. Our peace as a nation is very elusive, and we have so many things that are bringing fear that rob us of peace. The events and circumstances and news stories can all rob us of our sense of well being. Whether it's a national crisis or personal crisis, our sense of well being can be interrupted, disrupted without a moment's notice, and we instantly lose. Our peace. Well, Christmas in its origin is all about peace. It's all about peace. In a world filled with violence, uncertainty, turmoil, and fear, God landed on the planet and divided history into BC and AD, before Christ and after Christ. And He brought peace. I want us to look at the original story today in Luke 2 and see what we can learn about what message was given to us. Luke 2, you know it really well. Probably many of you could quote this without a Bible in front of you. I know we read it often. Luke 2, the verse, verse 1, we're going to read the story. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We're gonna to concentrate today on verses 10 to 14, the message of the angels, the message of the angels, the message of to the, to the, to the angels to the shepherds and to us today in Eau Claire. What did they say to the shepherds and what difference does it make in year 2023? It was a message of God to them and a message of God to us. God's message to shepherds in Eau Claire. He started out by saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Or stop being fearful would be another way to say it. You can put yourself for a moment in the the shepherd's sandals. It's very obvious. They were terrified. These are simple, poor country folk. and they worked the countryside, they were outside of civilization. They had never seen the extraterrestrials. They'd never heard about UFOs yet. They'd never seen Star Trek or Star Wars or, or E.T. And in the middle of the night, an angel shows up and light shining all over the place. They were absolutely terrified. And the angel had a great message for them, but first, before he could give them the message, he needed to settle them down, have them quit being so fearful, calming the fears. He said, do not be afraid. The same voice Thunders through the years and says to us, do not be afraid or stop being fearful. Stop being fearful. There are a lot of things that rob us of our peace. They that brings fear. What do we fear? What are are we afraid of? We watch the news and see a child has disappeared, and all of a sudden we're fearful for our children. We see a movie about someone who contracted an incurable disease and we start imagining the symptoms. I don't know if you do that. We read an article about early onset Alzheimer's then misplace our keys and we put our cell phone in the refrigerator. And we, we panic and say, oh no. Fear. We read about a plane crash and all of a sudden we're afraid to fly. We, we are fearful. We read the headline news and we read newspapers and online news and we Began to be afraid. What are we? What are we afraid of? What are the? What are the things that we're afraid of? We're afraid of the unexpected, a tragedy, an accident. Maybe the death of someone that we love. Maybe we're afraid of the unknown. We want all the facts. We want to know the plan. We fear what we don't know. And we hear different things in different places about, about Ukraine and, and Israel and politics and all the things that are going on in the world. And we don't know for sure because the truth comes in many different variations and falsehoods. We worry and are afraid because of change. Things, things change really fast. Those of you that are in your 90s, and I know some of you, I hope we're all blessed to reach the same age you have at 93, like, like Cam Thomas. But you have seen so much change If you went through the changes in your lifetime, we would be absolutely flabbergasted. Things change, and it's fearful. We learn one computer program or app, and we download the upgrade, and everything changes. Where did that go? I don't know where to point now. What do I click on? We just figured out how to handle an infant, and suddenly they're two years old. And then they're four years old. Then they're teenagers, and they're driving, and then we're all in panic and fear. Everything's changed. Fear. Maybe fear of failure. Uh, We live in a performance-based, success-oriented culture, and we're afraid to fail. Or maybe we're afraid to succeed, not sure where it's going to lead to if we go to the next level. Conflict, some fear conflicts. We're afraid to say anything to anybody now because we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing or we're going to be accused of hate speech. And so we're afraid of conflict. We're afraid to say certain things. And we don't know what's the right thing to say anymore. Fear. Walking a tightrope of keeping peace. And then some just fear the future. Depending on what you do first thing in the morning, if you read the news in the morning, your, your whole day's, yeah, it's, it's the whole future shot. You, don't do that, okay? Don't read it first thing in the morning. And don't read it just before bedtime. In fact, don't read the news at all. I, no, I'm just kidding. We need to stay informed. But, but there are things that we're afraid of the future. What's going to happen? It's unknown. We don't know. Fear robs us of peace. Just robs us of peace. And God says to us, as he said to the angels, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What gives the messenger the right to say, do not be afraid? He says, I bring you good news of a great joy. I'm bringing you good news. Good news. The good news was so important that he sent it through a special envoy, a messenger, an angel from God. And believe me, the shepherds, the Jewish people needed good news. They were a nation living under foreign occupation, They had no freedom. They had high taxes. They were a nation in turmoil. These people who believed in the one true God had not heard his voice for over 400 years. In Isaiah, it talks about a people who walked in darkness. They were living in this darkness, and they were not hearing the voice of God. The silence of God. There's nothing worse than saying, God is not talking to me. Why isn't he speaking? darkness, gloom, and emptiness. Their religious system had degenerated into a purely ceremonial, external rituals and rites. It was meaningless and hopeless. They they were powerless. These people were powerless to control their destiny. They needed good news. Do you ever need to hear good news? we love to receive good news. Your kid made the team. She passed that course, got a good report card. Your family member arrived home safe. Your health test came back negative for cancer. The Badgers won. And the Packers made the playoffs. We're not sure yet, but we think they might make the playoffs. Good news. Your braces are coming off next week. Good news, we love good news. Good news brings joy. Good news brings peace. And the question is, do you have peace? So what was the good news then that brings great joy? What was the good news? It was a savior has been born for you. A savior has been born for you. What's a savior? What's a savior? What do I need a savior for? A savior is someone who saves us. Okay? Very simple. It's somebody who saves us. Now, when I was in my 20s, I taught swimming and worked as a lifeguard. In fact, I was working as a lifeguard when I met Judy, the summer I met her. And I, I think it was, it was the tan or the biceps. I'm not sure what. But <laughs> it, it's not there anymore. I'm, that's okay. Over a period of several years, as I lifeguarded, I saved the lives of. A number of potential drowning victims. I saved their life. I was their savior. Not to put myself on a pedestal. People save lives every day. We have paramedics. We have firefighters. We have police officers, doctors, surgeons, nurses. They save lives every single day. So what do we need to be saved from? What did the shepherds need a savior for? Well, as we go back and look at the history of humankind, centuries before, God created people. The first man and the woman, Adam and Eve, were given a free will. And they were given parameters or guidelines governing, and they said, this is right, this is wrong. They were given guidelines. They had a relationship with the person who created them who was God. They were never forced to do right or wrong. They had free will. They got to choose. Unfortunately, they chose wrong. In an exercise of their free will, they chose to rebel against God, their father, and go their own way. And that act of rebellion is what the Bible calls sin. And that action created a schism or a break in the relationship. Much like if if you and I got into a fight or disagreement, there'd be a a need for reconciliation. There'd be a, a broken relationship that needs to be bridged. Someone needs to restore a broken relationship. And in Romans 5.12, we look back all the way in history, Romans 5.12 says, in the message, you know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. So there was this relationship that was disturbed, and somebody needed to fix it, okay? And we've tried all kinds of ways to fix it, and doesn't work, but that's why Jesus came. Theologian N.T. Wright says it's Christmas that is the moment when God launched a divine rescue mission of humankind. He launched a divine rescue mission at Christmas. At Christmas. Kirsten Powers in an article wrote God just didn't condescend to come to earth as a human he came as a helpless infant. The king of kings was born amid barnyard animals and piles of hay after his lowly parents were turned away from better lodgings. When the magi came to see the Lord, there was no security on hand to judge whether they were worthy. This Messiah was approachable. He was both one of us and at the same time God with us. He was flesh. He would hunger. He would bleed. He would love. He would thirst and he would die. None of this could have happened had he not been born fully human. This person, Jesus, was sent to live, to die, and to be resurrected in order to restore this broken relationship. A savior born for you. We cannot have true lasting peace until that Relationship with God is restored. We can't do that on our own. We needed someone to do that for us. We needed a savior. Someone to save ourselves, save us from our sin. Romans 5.19 in the God's Word Version says, Clearly, through one person's disobedience, humanity became sinful. That was Adam. And through one person's obedience, Jesus. Humanity will receive God's approval. Jesus became our Savior. That was the good news that they proclaimed to the shepherds. They, shepherds didn't know all the ramifications. They had no clue. Scared to death. All they knew is that he said, there's been a Savior born for you. They had an idea because they were Jews that maybe this was going to be the Messiah. Maybe this was the promised one. So the messenger tells the shepherds, tells us today, a savior has been born for you. The theological term for this event is called the incarnation. God became a human being, one of us and lived among us. He moved into the neighborhood. Now, if you are skeptical of God becoming human, the incarnation, you're not alone. It's okay to ask questions, it's okay. Lewis Castles tells a story of a, a non religious skeptic who was honest in his unbelief. He refused to attend a Christmas Eve service with his family and instead chose to stay home. He said, If I went, I would feel like a hypocrite. So he stayed home. Shortly after his family drove away, it began to snow, and he went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, and finally he went back to his chair by the fire to read his book. A few minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. Another one, boom, boom. It sounded like somebody was throwing snowballs against his picture window. When he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds that were huddled in the snow. They had been caught in the storm. In a desperate search for shelter, they were trying to fly through his picture window. Well, he said, "I I can't let the birds die there and freeze. And across the yard, he had a barn, small barn. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll I'll see if I can get them to the barn so they don't freeze to death. So he put on his coat and boots and tromped through the snow, and he opened the doors wide, turned on the light. But the birds, they didn't come in. Then he thought maybe food would entice them. So he got crumbs of food, and he put them on, on a trail leading into the safety of the barn, and still no response. They ignored it. He tried catching them, he shooed them, tried to shoo them that direction, but they just instead scattered every direction. Then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know if they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but I want to help them. But how? Any move he made just frightened them and confused them. They wouldn't follow. They wouldn't lead or be shooed. They feared him. Then he had a thought. He said, if I could only be a bird, I could mingle with them, speak their language. I could tell them not to be afraid. I could show them the way to the safe barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. As the story goes, at that exact moment, the church bells... Began to ring in the distance, the sounds of bells in a Christmas carol reached his ears, coming through the wind. He stood there, listening to the bell, "Adeste Fidelis," listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas, and at that moment, he sank to his knees in the snow. For the first time, realizing what the incarnation was all about. Jesus became one of us and extended his hand to save us, to reestablish that relationship, long lost. He knew who we were, but we had to find out who God was. And that's Jesus. The last part of the message they gave to shepherds and to us is, glory to God and peace to all people. Peace. Peace. It was the moment that God launched this divine rescue mission because he wanted people to have peace, to bring peace. And there are some areas that we need peace. The first one is peace with God. If we have a broken relationship with God, we need peace with God, first of all. Then we need peace with self. There's an there's a inner disparagement with all of us that if we don't have peace... We need peace with self. We need peace with circumstances. No matter what your circumstances, we need to understand that this is a God who cares and in control. And then peace with all people, with people. Do you have peace today? Jesus came to bring you that peace. We are to admit that we need a Savior, believe in this Savior, confess our shortcomings and accept him as our Lord, as our leader. And he will then give us his peace. Now, the burning question that you're probably asking, wanting to find out, is the title of the sermon. Whatever happened to the sheep? Whatever happened to the sheep? Well, tradition tells us that the sheep being watched were held until the sin sacrifice of the local temple. They were to be the substitute to give their life and have their blood shed to pay for the sins of the people. It was the old sacrificial system until Jesus. The sheep represented the coming Lamb of God who would pay for the sins of the entire world. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he introduced the person of Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us a message, that message that goes through history and all time, and that you set out to bring a rescue mission to rescue us And to bring us peace. And we know, Lord Jesus, that you desperately want us to have that same peace. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as we enter this Christmas season, there are so many things that distract us. And so many things that rob us of this peace. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bring us and give us that peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.